Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Turn with me to the book of Acts. I'm going to continue in our series, The Birth and Expansion of the Early Church. And just by way of reminder, uh, in two weeks we have our cantata. So I encourage you to come back and listen to your wonderful choir uh, sing. Uh, that They're good. They're good. I'd always heard. Listen, I'd heard. That y'all had a good choir, but I'd never seen it until I've seen it now, and I agree. They, they, they're good. So, so I encourage you to come back and, and be a part of the cantata. That'll be Sunday the 18th, and I, after that also is our uh, our Christmas dinner. So just be aware of that. Uh, Birth and Expansion of the Early Church, Chapter 2 there of Acts. We'll be reading verses 42 through 47. I've titled this message, The Model of a spirit-filled church. Now, some of these things in here we're going to see this morning are are more descriptive in nature than prescriptive. In other words, they're not commands that we have to do as as a church. They're more a description of what occurred there at after Pentecost. Once all those individuals are filled with the Holy Spirit, but we'll walk through those uh, as we see this morning. So, if you found that passage there in Acts, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's holy inspired word uh, this morning. Luke writes this, beginning in verse 42, he says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and uh, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. In verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. In verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father God, we come to you again today. As we prepare to hear from your word, Lord, we thank you for the wonderful music. We thank you for the wonderful worship, God. And now we ask, Lord, that that hearts again are open to receive what you would have us to receive this morning, Lord. We want to understand that this model that was established over 2,000 years ago, Lord, is still the model. Thank you. 
that the church of today needs to model itself after. And so, Lord, we thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The purpose of this church shall be to maintain the public worship of God, to win the lost to Christ, to exemplify the standard of Christian living proclaimed in the New Testament, to teach and train those among us who are not fully mature in Christian doctrine and practices, and, finally, to cooperate in spreading the gospel throughout the world. If I would ask you individually or as a group where that a phrase or that purpose statement, if you would, it comes from, what would you say? Well, I hope you would say it comes from the Southside Baptist Church bylaws and covenant purpose statement. That is the purpose of Southside Baptist Church. And if I'm being transparent with you, I could not quote the purpose of Southside Baptist Church either. But as I was studying this passage, I thought, well, let's go back and look at the purpose statement for Southside Baptist Church and see how that purpose statement lines up with the original church. It lines up with what the, 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 the purpose of that original church was. And as you read that, there's some different verbiage and all those other things. But as you read that, as you compare to what we're going to see this morning in Scripture, it lines up fairly well. The question is, how are we doing? How are we doing as a church? How are we doing at uh, sharing the gospel? How are we doing at devoting ourselves to the preaching and teaching of God's Word? How are we doing at those things? So we'll see that uh, some this morning. But our text today gives us a model. You know, we always want to know what, what a healthy church looks like. You know, what a, what a thriving and growing church looks like. Well, I think if you want to know what a healthy church looks like, just go to Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 42 through 47. That was a healthy church. It's a healthy church. This is what it looks like. This newly established church there after the day, or on the day of Pentecost. Now listen, they weren't a perfect church. By no means. Well, they weren't perfect. Why do you say that, preacher? Because they had people in them. Any church that has people in it, there's not going to be a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, you need to go somewhere else. Because we're not perfect here at Southside Baptist Church either. But this church, we're going to see several things about this church. And it gives us a perfect model, if you will, of what we need to be as a church here in the 21st century. So here's our point this morning. The early church is marked by devotion, one, to the Lord, devotion to His people, and devotion to His work in the world. And so that's three things for us to model, church. Our church should model, uh, that should be the measuring stick for us. We should also be devoted to the Lord. We should also be devoted to His people. And we should also be devoted to His work in the world. And so we're going to see three distinct parts, if you would, this morning. Three distinct parts of this early church and the model that it gives us as a church here in the 21st century. Number one is this, the devotion. The devotion of a spirit-filled church. And if you have your outline in the bulletin, you can follow along. The devotion of that spirit-filled church. Look at verse 42 first. And they devoted themselves... They, that's those 3,120 souls that we see back in the previous passage there in verse 41. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The Bible tells us there they devoted themselves. That means to give constant attention to, to adhere closely to, to attend to, to give yourself continually to. Have you ever asked yourself, what's your, what's your devotion? What are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? In fact, this would be an essential first step. I mean, if you think about a church, if you think about the establishment of a church, you have to ask yourself, okay, what is our church want, going to be devoted to? Is it going to be devoted to missions? Is it going to be devoted to Sunday school? Is it going to be devoted to this ministry or that ministry or, 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 or whatever it might be devoted to? Well, it needs to be devoted. There needs to be some, some essential devotions here that the church has got to establish itself on, and we're going to see those as we walk through here. But there was a devotion here. This being the focal point, everything else was a springboard from this devotion. It was a product, if you will, of this devotion. And so you're going to notice that when we are saved, our devotions change. They have to change. You can no longer be devoted. We've talked about it over and over and over again. You can't be devoted to the world and be devoted to God at the same time. It does not work. Not only for individuals, but also for the church as well. And so their devotions began to change. They were no longer devoted to self and their self-righteousness, but to the spirit that they all had been filled with. And so that Spirit-filled church, they devoted themselves to four different things. You see it right here in Scripture. It's very plain. The first thing was the apostles' teachings. The apostles' teachings. Those apostles, they were messengers. They were ambassadors of the gospel. The teachings here just speak of Jesus' earthly ministry, his, his teachings, the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension, all those things that these apostles had learned by listening and walking with Jesus. All these people that had been saved, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The Word of God. Holy Scripture. Now, they may have had some biblical teachings, but they were ignorant of the ministry of Jesus. They were ignorant of the person of Christ. This knew they were a fledgling church, uh, but they were devoted to the truth. Their foundation was the truth. It was the Word of God. I, I, I fear that that's a problem with our church today. I mean, you look at the churches that have, that, have, that have veered away from the truth. They veered away from the Word of God. They veered away from the foundation of that the early church was established on the very words of Scripture. Mm. They veered away. And that's where all the problems come. I'm reminded of what Paul told Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul reminds Timothy of this. Until I come, he says, devote yourself to the public reading of what? Scripture. The very Word of God. To exhortation and to teaching in 2 Timothy 3.16. Y'all, we, we, we went over this. Those of you that come on Wednesday night, you already already been up close to this. What? All Scripture is breathed out by God and what? Profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God what may be complete, equipped for every good work. These folks devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The second thing there, Lynn, we need as a church, listen, we need to have biblical preachers and teachers. Folks that that stand upon the Word of God. And I've told you before, if I ever veer from standing upon God's Word as my foundation in this pulpit, then you need to get rid of me and find somebody who will. The second thing we notice is in the fellowship. Fellowship, that's the Greek word for koinonia. Koinonia means participation or sharing. It means community. It means intimate fellowship. The experience in God, and we've done that study not too long ago, it, it explains it this way. This koinonia is the fullest possible partnership and fellowship with God and with other believers. This koinonia with God is a real and personal encounter with the living Christ and surrender to Him as Lord. These folks, their devotion had changed. Their fellowship had changed. They not only uh, had an intimate relationship with Almighty God, the living God, through the Holy Spirit, but they also had an intimate relationship with one another. Fellowship with one another. In verse 44, notice what Luke writes. He said, And all who believed, all these folks were believers. They were followers of Jesus Christ. They had been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So what does that tell us? <laughs> It tells us that if we are followers of Christ, you and I as followers of Christ, then we should have the same koinonia. It begins with our relationship with Jesus and spills over to our relationship with one another. I think the Bible was replete with passages that if you don't love your brother, then you don't love the Lord. You can't love the, the Lord and not love your brother. So we see this in these believers. Verse 44 continues, and they had all things in common. This Koinonia church, it's more than just potluck dinners. Those are wonderful. It's more than just Sunday school socials. It's more than just these fellowship meals. All these things are just a product of the true koinonia, the product of the true fellowship. The fellowship is that intimate relationship with Christ and then that intimate relationship with one another. And then we say, hey, because we've got that relationship, let's share a meal together. But it all stems from that fellowship. It all stems from that intimate relationship that we have first. And then there's a, the product of that is those other things that we do. It's interesting that this was the original idea of the church. It was the original idea of the church. God has no desire for believers to remove themselves from the fellowship of other believers. That is not God's desire, nor was it ever God's desire. Nor will it ever be God's desire. So those folks that say, listen, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church... I would have to question the first part of that. This fellowship that says, the Bible says they had all things in common. 
you realize that this was different people from different locations all over the place. They'd come there to Pentecost to worship, to celebrate. They'd come from everywhere. Different, but the same. They were, they were all on the same team. It's like I've been watching this World Cup thing. The soccer thing. If you're into soccer, I'm not into soccer, but I wanted to see the U.S. win. But I've always, it always uh, amazed by all those individuals coming from different locations of the United States or different locations of the world coming together to play on one team. That's just like church. That's just like Christians. We are all from different locations, but we're playing on the same team. <laughs> playing on the same team. So they were devoted to fellowship. They had the same goals. Third thing is they, the Bible says to breaking of bread. It's a reference to communion. It's a reference to the Lord's Supper. And when we have the Lord's Supper, listen, it's a celebration. It's a, it's a corporate celebration. It's not done in isolation. It shows the unity of all believers. You know, the breaking of bread is a constant, it's a continual, it's a glorious reminder of Jesus' finished work on the cross. What Christ did for us, His body was broken, His blood was shed for me and for you. And as we gather together, as a community of born-again believers, we remember and we celebrate. We're going to do that in several weeks on, on Christmas Day. We're going to celebrate what Jesus did for us. On that cross. But they also shared meals in their homes. You see that in verse 46. Breaking bread in their homes and sharing meals. So they had fellowship meals together. They come together and shared meals together. Maybe some of these folks, they didn't even know each other. But it brought them together. And finally, they devoted themselves to prayers. It shouldn't be a surprise. That true and genuine salvation would make one devoted to communicating with the one who brought him the salvation in the first place. It shouldn't be a surprise that these folks devoted themselves to prayer. Communication with the Lord. I mean, you go back in Acts, at the beginning of Acts, that's what they devoted themselves to. They were in the upper room and they devoted themselves to prayer until the, the Spirit come and all those other things. So it, it shouldn't be a surprise that these folks devoted themselves to prayer. You know, maybe we've lost the power in the church because there is no prayer in the church. We've lost the power in our individual lives because there is no prayer in our individual lives. You want access to the divine, communicate with the divine. And if I want to know what my wife thinks, I'm going to communicate with her. I'm not just going to assume. But it seems like we as a church, we just want to just assume that this is what God wants us to do. We don't want to go to Him in prayer to see if that's what God wants us to do. These folks dedicated, they devoted themselves to prayer. They relentlessly devoted themselves to prayer. Individual prayer and corporate prayer. I want to remind us that Jesus expected us to pray. Jesus modeled prayer. And Jesus knew the importance of prayer. He prayed to the Father on a consistent basis. This is the Son of God. If the Son of God needed to pray to the Father, then don't you think we do too? 
think that's why some of the churches have so much discontent and so much struggle and all these other things is because we have lost our lifeline. Our lifeline has been severed with the divine. We no longer pray. First Kings chapter 8, verse 61, Let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in His statutes and keeping His commandments as at this day. Spirit-filled church will be devoted to the things of God and not the things of the world. You can't be. They will be devoted to biblical preaching and teaching. They will desire to fellowship with one another. They will desire communion with one another. And they will desire to be in constant communication with the divine lifeline. Because if we're attached to the divine, then we're going to have life here in our church, in our individual lives. Second component of that spirit-filled church is this, the character. Notice the character of that spirit-filled church. It's seen in two ways. It's seen in the attitude of the people, and it's seen in the activity of the people. Verse, first part of verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. Awe there speaks, it speaks of fear. It speaks of reverence. Not a, not a fear as, as, as I'm scared to death of, of, of this situation. It's a holy terror. It's a fear in the, at, at the sense of the divine presence. Listen, we have lost the fear of God in our churches. We have lost the fear of God in our individual lives. If you had a fear of the God, you wouldn't want to sin. You wouldn't do the things that we do as churches. We, wouldn't, uh, we would avoid those things if we had a fear of God. A holy terror of our Lord. We've lost that. It's an attitude of reverence. The Bible tells us why. Because there was a realization that the presence of the Lord was among them. But can I assure you something this morning, church? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have received the Holy Spirit, not only is the presence of God among you, it is in you. It is in you. So we need to remember that. These folks have been transformed by the gospel. They've been fulfilled. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, and thus they were responding accordingly. They were responding accordingly in reverence at this presence. So you see the attitude of these folks, and I wonder what has happened to that. What has happened to that in our churches? What has happened to that in our individual lives? We've lost the awe. We've lost the fear. Of the Lord. But not only was it their attitude, but look at their activity. And notice, again, church, all this stems from, or all this flows from, the devotion they had. All this other stuff flows from that. Notice the activity, the second part of verse 43. It says, And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles doesn't say by the apostles. It was being done through the apostles. So something externally had to be doing that through the apostles. Well, that external force was the Holy Spirit working in and through the apostles. The same Holy Spirit, by the way, that you and I have. I'm not saying we're going to do signs and wonders, miracles and things. I'm not saying that. But these wonders and these signs, they were designed to attract attention. They were designed to point to these spiritual truths. They were designed to confirm the reality of these apostles being true messengers of God. 
the Spirit was working in and through these individuals. So we see these signs and these wonders as part of that activity. We also see the voluntary generosity and praise of these people. Look at verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And the first part of verse 47 says, praising God. Why were they praising God? Because this was all because of God. It was all the result of the Lord. Right? If you remember, at this point, there was had been an influx of about 3,000 or more believers in addition to the 120 original believers. So that's 3,120 people that have become believers at this very moment. Most of them, they'd come from other areas. They'd come to Jerusalem to worship. And most of them stayed in Jerusalem. So can you imagine? These folks that have come from different locations, come from different areas. They had no homes. They had no family to take care of them. What were they going to do? This wasn't some sort of, of commune that they developed when they all gathered together and they just, they just pulled all of their resources together. That's not what the Bible's saying. It's not a type of communi- uh, a communism. It's not a type of socialism. These folks had needs because they had come. They had no jobs. They had left everything. Do y'all get the picture here? These folks had left everything, what? To follow Jesus Christ, to become a believer in Jesus. They were in need. And so those that had resources were opening up their homes. They were sharing their resources for all those who had needs. So there was an atmosphere created there that these folks understood that in order to survive, they were going to have to share. They were going to have to share their resources. It was a need, and those needs were being met by the generosity and the joyful community that had been created, that fellowship that had been created by those believers. Note, that church, that this was a voluntary generosity. It wasn't mandatory. These folks had been so changed by the transformation of the gospel, they were voluntarily giving of their resources. It wasn't mandatory. It was also temporary in nature as opposed to permanent. They only they gave to those who had need. This wasn't, again, this, was, this wasn't a, a, a prescriptive kind of thing. In other words, we don't have to do this as a church. In other words, it's not something that we focus on. But when we find folks in need, what do we do? We help them out. We help them out. They didn't sell everything and pull it together again. This wasn't that type of communism or socialism. The key was this. This group of believers who had their lives transformed by the gospel, they had their devotion changed. Get this now. Get this. They had their devotion changed from self, novel idea, to others. To others. So they shared with those in need. This is the very character of a follower of Jesus Christ. 
It's the very character of a Christian. And they not only shared materially, they shared physically, they also shared spiritually as well. 46 tells us this. And day after day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they uh, received their food with glad and generous hearts. Remember, Jerusalem was that central location for worship. It was a gathering for corporate worship. So day after day after day, they met in the temple for times of prayer, for times of witnessing. It speaks of that corporate sense. It speaks of that coming together like we're doing today and and worshiping with one another in prayer and, and in song and in the preaching of the Word and all those other things. So they met day after day after day. It just shows you the importance of corporate worship for these folks. Remember, this is the early church. This is a group of people who have just had their lives changed. And I think what has happened is, as years and years and years have gone by, we have lost this. We have lost this. We have lost this desire to meet together. We have lost this. Now, I'm not saying we need to meet day after day after day after day and all those other things. I don't know that that was, that's prescriptive. I think it's just a description. We don't need to lose this, the point. The point is these folks had their lives so changed by the gospel message of Jesus Christ that they wanted to worship together in the temple. They wanted to be there all the time. You know the old saying, they wanted to be there every time the doors were open. They wanted to be there every time the gates were open. I wanted to be there. Just a side note, also in our covenant and our bylaws, this is the definition of an active member of Southside Baptist Church. An active member is defined as having attended two, two worship services for six months. I'll leave it at that. Not only did they meet in the temple, but they also met in their homes. So it wasn't just a temple thing. It wasn't just a corporate worship thing. Man, they were going together in their homes. Again, this is just descriptive. That doesn't mean that we forsake the assembly. That doesn't mean we forsake worship here at at, at the church and then go to homes. That doesn't mean that. I'm not saying that maybe later on as persecution begins to happen and we begin to move forward to the end times. I'm not saying that we may not have to move back to worshiping in homes. That's not what the Bible is saying, but it's just giving us an idea of the devotion of these individuals. But not only that, when they met together, when they met together in their homes, when they met together uh, in, in the temple, first, first part of verse 47, they praised God. Why? Because it's all about God. Why are you here? Because of God. Why are we doing this? Because of God. It's all about God. God deserves the glory. God deserves the worship. God deserves the praise. These folks that have been changed, they no longer were struck by that selfishness. There was a lack of selfishness, and they were struck by the presence of that agape love, that sacrificial love. The ultimate one of the sacrifices is God sent His Son, Jesus, and Jesus sacrificed His life on that cross for you and for me. Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. 
that all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? Because God deserves our worship. He deserves it. So the Spirit-filled church should have a same character as the indwelling spirit. We've got that spirit. We should have that same character. Our attitude should be that of awe and reverence. And our activities should be the natural outflow of the response to the indwelling Holy Spirit. And finally, quickly, I'll move to this one quickly. Our final characteristic this morning is this, the influence of the Spirit-filled church. Look at the second part of verse 47. And having favor with all the people. Favor there means goodwill. It means loving kindness. It's goodwill with the people. I mean, have you ever considered what people in our community would say if they were asked this question? If Southside Baptist Church did not exist, would it be missed? Would it be missed? Having favor in the community means that they would answer that question, yes, it would be missed. Yes, it would be missed. These folks had favor in the community. They had favor. They had a good reputation. You know, we want a good reputation. We want a good reputation not only personally, but in our businesses and and, and as a church. Their devotion and their characteristics, they were evident to all. Everybody around them saw what was going on. They were attractive to those around him. People might have been asking, hey, what's going on in the life of that individual? Hey, what's going on in the lives of all those people? Hey, what are they doing over there? What's what's happening over there? Why is there so much excitement over there? It goes back to what I've said before. And I've said it and I've said it, and this may be my catchphrase. But have you seen what God is doing at Southside Baptist Church? You've seen what God is doing. So the watching world, man, they were they were seeing this. They were taking notice. And all of this pleased God. And because it pleased God, notice what God does. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. God produced the growth. God produced the growth. You want a recipe for church growth? Right here it is. There's programs out there all over the place. You go and here it is. The recipe for church growth is right here. And it begins with the devotion of the church. The devotion of the individual people in the church. But it's a work of the Lord. The sovereign work of God Himself in salvation because God alone can change human hearts from death to life. God alone. You see this in this passage and it it just should remind each and every one of us that we have a vital role to play in this. But ultimately, ultimately, God is the one who provides the growth. He has just called us to be obedient. Be devoted to the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Be devoted to fellowship. 
Be devoted to the breaking of bread. Be devoted, devoted to communicating with me, church. Be devoted to that. And I'll tell you this, if you'll devote yourself to me, if you'll devote yourself to my preaching and teaching, if you'll devote yourself to fellowship, if you'll devote yourself to other, these other things, if you'll devote yourself to the breaking of bread, if you'll devote yourself to and have the attitude that I ask you to have and have the activity that I ask you to have, you know what I'll do for you? I will produce a growth that you have never seen before. That's what God wants to do. You know why He doesn't? Because of us. Because of us. So when people see you, what do they see? When people see the church, what do they see? Do we have that sweet, fragrant aroma, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. He says, but thanks be to God who is in Christ, always leading us in a triumphal procession. And through us, all right, here's what he says, through us, spreads the fragrance of knowledge of Him everywhere. Is that us? Is that our church? Do we spread the fragrance of God everywhere we go? For we are the aroma of Christ. The aroma of Christ. To God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we're the fragrance from death to death, and the other, we're a fragrance from life to life. When we're obedient to the commands of God, those around us are going to notice. That difference might give us an opportunity to share the love of God, the good news of the gospel. And as we share, reminder reminder here, God draws, the Spirit convicts, and Jesus Christ saves. That's how it works. So as we close... I want to go back and I want to read our purpose statement once again. The purpose of this church shall be to maintain the public worship of God. Are we devoted to worshiping God? To win the loss to Christ. How are we doing? How are we doing winning the loss to Jesus? To exemplify the standards of Christian living proclaimed in the New Testament. Ooh. That sounds like that standard of uh, the, the activity and our attitude and our, our, our influence in the community that we were just talking about. To teach and train those among us who are not fully mature in Christ's doctrine and practices. It's being devoted to the apostles' preaching and teaching. And to corporate and cooperate in spreading the gospel throughout the world. So how are we, Southside? How are we doing? How are we doing? Do we have that true biblical preaching and teaching? Do we have that koinonia that Paul ta- or that that Luke talks about? Do we have that communion? And how are we doing on our in our prayer lives? How are we doing individually? How are we doing corporately? When the watching world looks at us as individual believers, what do they see? When they smell us, what do they smell? The aroma of God, the aroma of Christ. When the watching world looks at our church, what do they say? What do they say? Have you seen what Southside Baptist Church is doing? Or have you seen what God is doing 
Southside Baptist Church. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Are we patient? Are we allowing God to work through us to bring the lost and dying world to Himself? For it is God, not us. Not us. Who adds to our number day by glorious day. But He uses us. He uses us. To share His gospel and His good news. So I wonder. We see the model here. It's established right here. Again, some of these things are descriptive. Some of these things are prescriptive. Some of them are commands. We need to be devoted to to the apostles preaching and teaching. We need to be devoted to fellowship. We need to be devoted to breaking of bread and prayer and all those other things. So how are we doing, church? How are you doing as an individual? How are we doing as a church? Let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.